Borag Thong Earthlets. It's your old buddy Conrad. Before we start the show, I wanted to announce our first Space Spinner 2000 contest. We've just completed the first year of our 2080 timeline, one year down, 39 to go. And to commemorate this milestone, we're giving out a copy of the graphic novel of my top thrill of 1977, Shaco. To enter, all you have to do is contact the show on any social media with your favorite thrill that we've covered so far on the podcast. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us directly at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. That's space spinner and then two and three zeros. <laughs> we'll choose a winner randomly and send them the world's greatest chronicle of polar bear murder free of charge. So let us know. We'll announce the winner on an upcoming podcast. Thanks and please enjoy this episode of Space Spinner 2000. Splendug Verthrig! Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 14th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This month, we're covering January 1978, progs 46 through 49. This week, we'll see Dan Dare continue his war against Star Slay. Uh... <laughs> Mach one, the uh, saga of Mach 1 conclude, and the adventure of the Visible Man begin. <laughs> God. He's visible, dude. Don't underestimate he's, him. He's definitely visible. <laughs> Anyhow, let's get started with 301, Dan Dare. Uh, just want to put a caveat before you start on it. This, uh, this dude at the front page of prog 46 it's just like oh <laughs> like i the space crucifix is terrible <laughs> yes yeah, so we open up with um you'll recall last week pretty much the whole dan dare space fort ship had been hypnotized by the star slayers evil hypnotism you know weapon thing and they captured the ship and dan dare and they were taken back to the home world of star slay so apparently flying around star slay everywhere are basically the enemy, the defeated bodies of Star Slayers, of the Star Slayers' enemies, crucified in space and hanging around the planet. It's pretty badass, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to send a message to anybody flying through your orbit. Um, yeah. So there's basically just a, yeah, there's just a bunch of five-pointed stars with various alien dudes strapped <laughs> to them, just kind of lying there being like, ah, we died in space. Bah. The sarks. Oh, man. Yeah, so you start off with the Star Fort, with the Space Fort landing on Star Slay, and the, our, our, the whole team coming to and not being brainwashed anymore, but it's too late. Um, the Star Slayers attack them, and there's a big uh, melee, and they force everybody in a spacesuits to be space crucified. <laughs> but in the uh, space ruckus... Um, <laughs> Dan Dare puts on one. Uh, they basically stuff one of the Star Slayers into Dan Dare's uh, spacesuit, and then Dan Dare wears um, the Star Slayer spacesuit and begins his infiltration. Which you know, I thought these guys were green. Dan Dare's definitely not green. I don't know. No it works. No one's looking too closely at it, I guess. 
But so after that, Dan Dare basically diehards his way through the spaceport as they're about to start crucifying his dudes. <laughs> he does some stuff involving uh, preference differentials <laughs> inside the ship. Oh, at least you're a big blowout that sucks everybody out of the yeah. ship. Yeah, it's a magic. Um, uh, what is it like? Toaster timer. Yeah, it's a weird thing. But so then Dan Dare runs through the ship. He um, dual wielding space uh, laser blasters. He takes out the Dark Lord, who's the leader of the Star Slave. He takes out the Dark Lord's bodyguard contingent, and then takes him hostage. And yeah. the the uh, Star Slayer fleet sees the dead sees the crucifix guys being tossed out. But oh no, they're Star Slayers! <laughs> the, the humans have uh, rebelled. And Danda Air's like, ah, you can't attack us because we got your leader on board. So you don't surrender, then uh, we'll kill your leader, guy. <laughs> you're, like, you're a fool, Dan Dare. I have my own methods. Yeah, he gets he gets pretty sassy about getting captured. Yeah, so with the Dark Lord captured, Dan Dare does a big message to the whole Star Slayer Empire saying, like, we got the Dark Lord, <clears throat> and everybody should, like, you know, consider themselves freed and stuff. <laughs> yeah, bro- he broadcasts it to all the different slave races we've met so far as Star Slayers, <laughs> the Miner guys, the Bug Dudes, the, uh, the Space Orc guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And he's like, yeah, you're all free, whatever. Yeah, and pretty then, much. Yeah, so then Dan Dare makes a classic bad guy move and just leaves um, <laughs> the Dark Lord behind in a locked room with a couple uh, grunts with guns on him. And so, okay. <laughs> I gotta, Fox, I gotta, I gotta, for the people at home, I gotta describe what uh, the Dark Lord's uh, costume looks like, right? Yeah. Because the basic thing is that all these Dark Lord guys have, um, these kind of Roman helmets with like, like kind of like a, like two things for eyes and then like a slit down the middle for the mouth and stuff. Yeah. And, st- and the, the Dark Lords one has that, but then there's a big star on the top. This sort of marks him as the Dark Lord. It's got horns on the side too, but mostly it's got a star on the top. Cause he's a Star Slayer Empire guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And so <laughs> when <laughs> the Dark Lord's taken captive by these four dudes who are just sort of watching him. Uh, the Dark Lord puts his fingers to his temple. The, the, the Dark Lord puts his fingers to his temple, and the star on his helmet comes flying out and flies around and cuts the throats of like five dudes and uh-huh. kills them all instantly. You know, it, it's so dumb. You pro- you probably don't become the Emperor God King of Star Slay uh, by not having a couple of starish tricks up your sleeve to kill a bunch of guys taking you captive. That's fair. He definitely has that. (laughs) He anticipated this crap. That tells me something about their political system. Totally. So, with the Dark Lord free, he tells, um, you know, he's loosing the ship, and he tells the rest of the Star Slayers to attack. And that's basically what happens. Star Slayers attack is a big boarding action aboard the space fort. Dan Dare and his boys fight it back a little bit partially using space axes to attack the enemy ship, which is pretty nice. Yep. Um, it's really weird. they just like, uh, we got to get out there with these axes and start beating the hell out of it for a reason. Yep. And so it basically ends with um, the boy, with, with our boys sort of uh, cut off in the airlocks of their ship, sort of girding themselves to the final mm-hmm. assault. And then the, uh, the, the ship's pilot says like, hey, but look there. 
we're getting some uh, some some sights in outer space, but we don't know what they mean. But it's the, we we could be in for the biggest shock ever. And that's sort of <laughs> the cliffhanger. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and that's where we leave it with, um, you know, basically the climb in the midst of the climax of the Star Slayer saga of this refurbished and there. It's pretty fun. I gotta I, say, I absolutely love it. Um. Lots of action, man, and lots of different weapons, laser swords, space axes, space guns, dual-wielding space guns, star hats. Star, star hats? Yeah. Yes. No, it's got something for everybody, for sure. <laughs> fun for the whole family. Yeah, the other fun thing, and I, and I don't know what, whether I, I was going to... I wasn't sure if I should mention this here or in uh, the non-thrill section, but all the comics this month, the first page of the Dan Dare story is also the cover of the, uh, of the Prague. Mm. So, like, you know... We see the dude's space crucified on the cover of the magazine with, like, um, the the exposition text and, like, dialogue balloons and stuff like that. And then it goes to page two. It's pretty rad. It's a bold way to start the comic, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're getting, like, this first taste of everything going on. And right now, Dan Dare's got a lot happening, to be honest. Yeah, this is, like, this fight for Star Slay is a huge huge fight like there's all this stuff going on there's space stuff and there's uh on board ship stuff like it's mm. it's it's cool times i don't know yeah it's not bad space action i gotta say i mean I, there's not much else to really talk about it's the substance is sort of like yeah they got to make it out of here and they'll figure out a thing but for the most part it just really started out the comic well and it doesn't super overstates welcome i want to say that uh even if even if you don't include the um, front page, they're usually only like three or four pages. Yeah, it's pretty quick action. It's just sort of, it's really just eat, like each prog is just a little beat of the story, you know? Yeah, and it feels pretty tight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's shockingly good. And speaking of shocks, <laughs> thrill to future shocks. Oh, man. So there's a couple. <laughs> this one's a varying length this month. Yeah. It really, it's really something. So the first one is there's like, dude, he's got a time machine. Uh, <laughs> he he does the time traveling stuff, looks out his window. Oh, it's still my old block. What the heck? He, so he smashes the machine, only yep. to see that he, in fact, transported his whole block back several million years. And now they're all going to be eaten by dinosaurs. Special shout out to Ramon Sola. For his sweet dinosaur abilities. Yeah, he's the art robot for this shot, for this uh, future shock. And he's our boy. He's one of our guys from Flesh as well. Good at drawing dinosaurs. Love it. So the next future shock is like, okay, (laughs) there's there's mysterious stuff going on in the governments of the world. We see uh, government guys checking in in Whitehall, which is like, you know, where the British government is and at the Pentagon and at the Kremlin and all this stuff. And everybody's like, oh, there's mysterious stuff. We don't know, you know. Um, eventually, though, this guy Walsh, who's an English spy, starts tracking tracking people down. They, investi- they uh, interrogate a spy guy. But as they interrogate him, he melts into goop. Oh, no. Yeah, it's so, weird alien goop. Yeah, so he's told not to keep investigating. But he does investigate anyway because, by God, he gets results. Oh, <laughs> And eventually he tracks the spies down 
to the evil spy headquarters where there's this alien guy, and the alien guy's got all these cloned troopers <laughs> that he can press a button and melt, you know? So Walsh finds the master control buttons, and he melts them all. It's super convenient. Yeah, but not only does it melt all, like, the guards at the, uh, the goons at the alien's headquarters, <laughs> it also melts uh, the, uh, the guys at Whitehall, the guy at the pet, like, you know, essentially like the British Prime Minister, the U.S. President, the Soviet Premier. They're all melted dudes. They're all alien shapeshifter dudes. It's no good. Oh, man. What a, what a twist, Future Shocks. You got me. I never would have imagined it. All right. So, so I the, got I have a question for you on this third one, Connor. Okay. Yeah. Um so let's say you're going to send some guys to the moon for a reason. Yeah, of course. Uh and you want them to get around. Uh, how would you do that as a government? Well, <laughs> my first way would of course be a moon buggy as we've seen in the nonfiction parts of various uh, 2000 AD summer specials and annuals and stuff. <laughs> My second uh, way, because the moon buggy is old-fashioned and, and, and uh, crappy. You want some style give, in space. Yes, would be to give them some sort of ground-based surfboard. <laughs> but, so but, that... Oh, please, go ahead. Just to allow the... Uh, to allow an astronaut to stand on a surfboard that's just on the dirt and the surfboard to then move its way on the across the dirt and make him be able to do like a, some sort of surfing pose or something like that. Well, what if they like go really far off the beaten path because they go kind of space crazy, see guys out in the middle of nowhere? Well, you know, obviously I'd want my astronauts to investigate that kind of thing. No, I, I mean, I guess they are scientists, but yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of dangerous? I mean, you know, I mean, sure, things could go wrong. Like, they could bump into an an, an alien, and the alien, like, knocks them out. <laughs> and it's a shape-shifting alien, right? So he takes off, he, uh, he steals my our space guy's uh, spacesuit, and then goes back to the lander and returns to Earth, pretending to be our astronaut guy. <laughs> that would be really bad. You what know would happen be... to the other astronaut? They wouldn't even notice it, you know? But it would be ironic to the guy left behind as he met the other guys left behind, <laughs> including one who's been there a long time because he was captured years ago, Neil Armstrong. You're blowing my mind! <laughs> but it'd be like Neil Armstrong with like a beard because he's been in space for a long time, you know? Yeah, just how did they eat? Like... I don't know. No, so that's what happens in this comic book, guys. <laughs> this story. It's uh, it's pretty out there. There's a uh, like the the weirdest thing is this is this moon is there's this moon surfboard that this guy's on that apparently has foot pedal controls that allows you to sort of surf on the surface like a dirt surface of the moon. Yeah, it's not well explained. I don't. Under, I feel like it's the first two parts of it's two different it's two different comic books sort of strapped together. Yeah, or something like that. It's just like weird stuff, and then even weirder stuff happens. I don't yeah. get the Neil Armstrong thing either, but whatever. Because well, he's the first man on the moon, man. First man to walk on the moon. Oh, so sure. It's implying that um, these guys, that they've been, aliens have been uh, doppelgangering our astronauts and returning to Earth to do crazy stuff since, like, 1969 when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Ooh. And that now 
Neil Armstrong who went on to have like you know a post moon career and stuff like that. When in fact that wasn't Neil Armstrong, that was an alien pretending to be Neil Armstrong. Oh dude. snap! Yeah, so you know, be aware. The moon landing was fake, baby. <laughs> no man, it was so real. It was so real that it replaced everybody with aliens. Oh god. Uh, so the fourth story is called Fly Guy. And basically, uh, there's this artificial moon around Venus that is also uh, the solar system's like primary food source. It's a breadbasket. Yeah, breadbasket of the solar system. And so it gets uh, invaded and boarded by some bug-looking alien guys. <laughs> Never to be trusted. Yeah, so the bug-looking alien guys are like, ah, yes, we've taken control of your ship. Uh, show us around. Give us the grand tour. And... <laughs> One of the botanists on board is like, all right, I guess I'll have to do it. Meanwhile, some other guy's like, ah, you just surrendering, you're a coward, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the first guy shows the aliens around, and they come to a restricted area, and the first guy says to the guy calling him a coward, like, ah, you weren't aware of this part of the ship. This is the part where we keep the giant Venus fly traps. And the oh! Venus, and the, because the aliens are like bug-looking aliens, and they look bug, like a fly heads, uh, they get eaten by the Venus fly, fly traps. What a twist. Giant fly traps. <laughs> 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 oh, Air horns are so key for the twist in, in, uh, in future oh shocks, buddy. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, it's got to be something, you know. That's genius. Add it in post. <laughs> I'll see what I can. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so, I'm sure I can find something. So, what'd you think of them future shocks, Conrad? Man, <laughs> honestly, like although these are also super Twilight Zoney, like ah, wah wah, like yeah. the aliens are at, like our people are actually aliens or. My name's Neil Armstrong. <laughs> like, these were, I found these ones to be a little bit more agreeable just because they spent some more time setting things up and stuff like that, you know? Like, at least there's a little bit of, like, here's what these characters are up to and stuff um, before the dumb twist happens. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? And and uh, I appreciate their campiness of the whole thing at this point. Like, yeah. even the super short one um which didn't have a name uh which was the dinosaur one uh it was over pretty fast and the twist was like oh all right yeah i'm okay with a with a twist when it ends it when i'm okay with a twist where the a time traveler gets killed by time traveling you know like ones where the guys got burned at the stake that one was fine this one's fine too yep (laughs) i agree inoffensive yeah oh i skipped bonjo by the way (laughs) You haven't gotten there yet, buddy. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't, I wanted to preempt your disappointment. Oh, I wasn't even going to Bonjo yet. Instead, okay. I was going to Thrill Three Mach One. Oh, so only one Mach One episode this week, as it ends for for, for a little while. Yeah, so only one, only one episode of Mach One. Uh, Mach One and Zero have a hyper-powered fist fight, and that's pretty awesome. Yep, I'm pretty and, sure it's over. Yeah, it ends with the house being leveled, but Zero agreeing to cooperate because of uh, Mach 1's friendship. Mm. They load Mach Zero into an ambulance to possibly be de-hyperpowered. 
<laughs> and as that ambulance is driving home, a tank comes the other way and blows it off the road. Yeah. And uh, then some resolve from Mach 1 himself. Yeah, Probe suspects foul play. Um, he realizes that this Sharp guy is to blame. Sharp kind of sends him a message saying, like, I had to kill Mach Zero. I was in the country's best interest. And Mach 1 sort of broods, like, you double-crossed me. Or first you double-crossed Zero, then you double-crossed me. Maybe there's even a Mach 2 waiting to take over when I become too headstrong or you, or, uh, you uh, can't afford to keep me alive or whatever. Mm. And, like, this changes my whole opinion on things. He's got to take some time to think. And because Luck- of that, he takes a break. Yeah, I was going to say, luckily enough, uh, that will coincide with exactly how long the comic's off the air. Yeah, you know, uh, John Probe's got to take some time to look at things. He's got to, uh, you know, see see through some of the lies and things that he's been told. And, and <laughs> speaking of speaking of seeing through things... Oh, no! Thrill <laughs> for the visible man. <laughs> that was terrible. Transition level 9,000. <laughs> oh, man, man. Uh, the Visible Man, it's written by Pat Mills. The art is mostly is uh, by by, tree, by uh, either Trigo or Montero. It's so crazy, dude. It's, uh, I, it's like, what? I mean, it is what it says in the box. So, all right. So, this yeah, guy, that's true. This guy, Frank, Frank Hart... Is uh, driving his dr- driving his Porsche fast and carefree. Porsche Turbo. He doesn't care about nothing, and it's a and Hell's Bells is a problem when he goes runs <laughs> into a um into a truck carrying nuclear waste. Yeah, government allotted uh, nuclear sludge. Yeah, he gets covered in sludge, buddy. It's pretty bad, and he wakes up in a government medical facility. And after like beating the beating the asses of like all the medical people there, it's really true. He beats him with a table. Yeah, he like like the, he so so he wakes up in one of those rooms with like you know there's a one way mirror and he's sort of in just like a room with like a, a hospital bed and some lab stuff and then like dudes in like medical protective gear come in and like want to take like a blood sample or something and he's like no and he basically just picks everything up and just beats the crap out of them. Breaks a bottle and starts bottle and starts threatening to bottle people and stuff. <laughs> um, and the lights are 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 are, are turned down in his uh, in this hospital room, and we soon find out why. Because when they turn the lights on, buddy, <laughs> he Frank Hart doesn't have any skin, and or sorry, both his skin and muscles are invisible. It's important to say both those things. Yeah, <laughs> so you can totally see his gross intestines and his stomach. His yeah, lungs. he's just he's just bone he's just bones, guts, and hair. You know, his hair has stayed visible. Excellent hairstyle, by the way. Excellent so, hairstyle. At some point, and I think it's when Montero takes over as a, as the artist, they'll stop drawing his hair, which is I think is a bummer because oh. it's funny seeing the skull with the with, with the full head of hair. <laughs> but That's basically. Too bad. He's just kind of, he's like a, like a, like, I remember I had like a, a toy or something. It was like, you know, an, an edutainment toy that was like a plastic, 
I'll case like a dude and then all like the guts and bones and stuff on the inside so you kind of check it out. <laughs> Open it up and like check out the guts and stuff. And that's basically what Frank Hart is now. He's a uh, he's a test dummy. He's just like a weird like dude. Oh, guy. yeah, he's kind of test dummy-ish. So, but basically, the deal is, instead of an invisible man, this dude is a visible man because you can see his uh, his guts and bones and junk. Which is really so, weird. Like, they they want to keep him for reason? Yeah. Well, no, they want to, man, they want to, like, t- t- uh, observe his, like, blood and guts to see what happens when, like, different diseases affect him and stuff like that. Uh, it's a really bad deal. Like, they'll be, like, I mean, they kind of get more into it, like, next month, I think, mm-hmm. when they really explain it. But, yeah, they basically say, like, hey, it's a opportunity we can watch your heart beating your food digesting we could run tests on you as you um are infected with various illnesses and stuff like that and he's yeah. like no yeah and frank is like no man i want to be a, be a lab rat just because you can see my my intestines like, that's not cool <laughs> and they're like tough you're in here for the rest of your life so strange, uh, buddy but so then he does the the classic thing where he uh he plays dead and pretends to be asleep but then he's not asleep, and he just punches his way out. There's a lot. There's a lot of cliches that just get thrown into these comic books. I really like how many times that people escape or trick somebody by doing that one thing from Looney Tunes, <laughs> where they just kind of pretend to sleep and then walk out. Yep. Because <laughs> that's all. Because that's all Frank does. He just like he plays dead enough to get the drop on somebody. And then he just walks out through short, through pure like determination, and people being freaked out by the fact that he has no skin. You know, he's, he's pretty gross. <laughs> like that's all that's all he can do. You know, <laughs> there's re- there's a really funny picture at the end of him driving off in a jeep, and he just lo- looks so nervous, but he's still just a skull <laughs> with eyes and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's pretty good, and that's the next one starts off too with him driving. He's driving and he's screaming, ah! And as he does, he's, um, you know, yeah, he's still just, his visibility remains pretty hilarious, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I love the clothes that he picks up from the scarecrow. Yeah, so, and... cla- yeah, he steals some hobo clothes from a, sca- from a scarecrow. <laughs> he uh, drives into town and his uh, starts to fall into insanity, which is pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, he, he goes for like a suntan, right? And it... yeah, that's the next thing is he breaks into like a chemist, which is like a pharmacy in England, basically. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "All right, I got, I got two plans. Um, one, hey, I bet if I tan, if I go under a tanning light, it'll revisible my skin. But instead, it just cooks his insides. <laughs> it's like, oh god. Um, and like, yeah, it just sort of like burns it, like cooks his bones and stuff like that." Going outside is going to be a real problem. Yeah, but so instead he does the smart, what I think is a pretty smart move, and puts on like uh, foundation makeup. Or oh like, yeah, you know, on like his robot face or on his uh, on his see through face, so that you know, because he's still basically still a human dude. He's just got to do things to make himself look visible again. You know. Yeah, it's kind of a clay face thing. Yeah, so he tries to take money out of a bank so he can go on the lamp, but as he does, he starts to sweat. And when he sweats, buddy, you can see his face bones, and so he's got to go. Yeah, people get really upset by uh, by the fact that he starts melting. <laughs> yeah, one thing I was I was interested that they didn't do was um. So I don't know if you've seen 
that Kevin Bacon movie Hollow Man where he becomes invisible? No, I have not. You you aren't missing too much, but they did have sort of some interesting, fun, like, uh, what if you were actually invisible kind of problems. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think, and so I think Frank would have this one too. Like, he can't, like, close his eyes to go to sleep. Oh. Because his eyelids are invisible, buddy. Like, he can't, like, like, he okay. can't, like, um, you know, closing his eyes doesn't cause blackness for him. He just keeps seeing things normally. Damn. And I feel like there's other, like, you know, this is a short sort of series. There's not a lot, of, you know, it's mostly more of a on the run comic as opposed to a dealing with being visible comic, you know? Right. But. Those are, you know, there's interesting things to be plumbed in the arena of this guy has no, um, has invisible skin and muscles, you know? Yeah, like, I, well, I mean, for me personally, my favorite part was just, as you said, he was going kind of crackpot crazy for a second. Oh, that's okay. Next, next month, <laughs> one of the comic, one of these issues ends, or one of these adventures, one of the thrills end for Invisible Man with him saying the craziest... The craziest ending line of all, you know? Wow. He says, like, I've always been... I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. I'm going to shout the whole thing next week. But <laughs> he, sa- he says, like, uh, like I've always been the odd man out. The Joker in the pack. But people got to be careful because this Joker's wild. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to... I got to... I had to say it now. We're going to keep doing... We're going to do it next time. Oh, it's, it's amazing. So, it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, so far so good. Um, I like I like this on the run thing. It's a little bit different from uh, from the rest of what we've got going on, you know. Yeah. Hey, speaking of different from the rest of what we got going on, <laughs> non thrills, letters, and Bonjo from beyond the stars. Womp, womp. Yeah. So in Prague forty six, a mad scientist uh, t- uh, decides to take down Bonjo by use of hyperpower. <laughs> Uh, and so he creates a couple mock animals. He creates a mock elephant, but it blows out. And a mock sea sponge was was uh, pretty limited. And he finally makes a mock aardvark. And it's looking pretty good. Uh, just FYI, this doctor is extra racist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Lou-Knee. Yeah, he's got giant buck teeth and uh, is Chinese. And it's pretty, it's bad. Yeah, but he's a pioneer in acupuncture, so there you go. Um, <laughs> also, in, also in both Prague forty six and forty seven, there were there was a contest to find uh, X wings or X fighters, as they call them in the comics, <laughs> because Star Wars nomenclature is not available yet in the issue, and the winners get uh, a Star Wars double LP. One hundred Star Wars LPs must be won. <laughs> I, I, my favorite line was share over 400 pounds worth of prizes. Mm. Yeah, you don't get that 400. You just get pieces of it. Yeah, that's it. I think that's the most brilliant line in this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I counted uh, six X-Wings in Prog 46, in Prog 46 and uh, five in Prog 47. Oh, snap. Come at me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, in the in the letter pages for for Prog forty six, uh, one kid calls out an inconsistency in um, the cover of one of the future focus covers, which whatever. Another kid suggests a futuristic version of cr- of cricket using motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's uh, pictures of a futuristic survey station, which looks kind of like 
uh, Mule, the old, the old uh, video game. Yeah, also the big, I don't know what to call it, like hook on the front is super weird. Yeah, it's got like a survey crab claw. It's a survey station, so it, like it, it's this uh, big space thing. It's got really long legs. It's got a big crab arm that I, I would imagine <laughs> grips up like a whole bunch of dirt and then pulls it up to the survey station to be surveyed. That's my imagination of how this uh, futuristic yeah. device works. It just looks really heavy. Is all. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if, 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 if Julian Gallup of <laughs> Lawton, Essex in January 1978 was really designing for, for sustainability, you know? <laughs> I love calling out the names of these kids. <laughs> we also get a, uh, get a, uh, a Scout Hover Effect GERD chip, which is a uh, hover car, essentially. Yeah, good job, uh, Raymond Byrne. Byrne. Burn. Burn. There's so many letters in the wrong place. I mean, Burn, I'm sorry. man. It's like, Gab- like Gabriel Byrne from Usual Suspects and stuff. Oh, whatever. He's a Scott anyway. Exactly. From Dundee. <laughs> in in uh, Prague 47... Mock Aardvark attacks Bonjo, and Bonjo eats him right away. Uh, oh, more, more, uh, yeah. There's more X-wings, more problems with the contest. <laughs> In the letters section, uh, kids want to hear more about robots and or the Mekon, and some and a kid draws a sweet uh, alien guy. Oh yeah, the pressing brain dude. Yeah, I I wonder if that's traced from something. Honestly, it's got a traced kind of look just because there's so much background stuff going on and things like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm always skeptical of all these uh, uh, drawings. I mean, I, I used to trace all the time, so it wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't surprise me. But what's with the dragon? Oh, yeah. And then and then there's also drawings of a robot and of a dragon. The dragon one. Oh, that thing is definitely drawn by a kid, though. I'm That's fine adorable. <laughs> hey, Fox. Ah, what's up, Both these two issues, we forgot the most important part of the non-throw material in these um, products of 2000 AD. <laughs> what's which that? is the Supernova card game oh. that is apparently appearing on the back cover of each issue. Oh, yeah. So, Supernova card game, we don't get the rules until next month. But basically, on the back of each prog, there's six spaceships. There's six pictures of spaceships. They all have different stats like attack, armament, power, and maximum warp speed and survivability <laughs> rating and stuff. And there are all these uh, sweet space pictures. And uh, Fox, I believe you and I both did our, our top and bottom ships for each month. Oh, yeah. And we haven't talked about this ahead of time, so let's see how we agree and disagree. Fox, what's your top ship for Prog 46? So, for Prague 46, it's definitely the Orbital Factory ship uh, because of the giant extended knob, strange side platform, and weird, like, ducktail thing just going out. Like, it's just a whole mess, that, and I love it for that there's reason. A, there's a lot going on with this factory ship. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not sure what anything does, but it looks unique enough. Nice. Um, my, my least favorite is the two-seat fighter. Oh, that was my top one. I like that um, thing, man. It's I'm sleek. Sorry, man. It kind of looks like a fish face. Like I think it's a good one. My bottom was the prison ship, which just looks oh. like it's made out of caution tape. <laughs> it's pretty true. All um, right. So then Prog 47. So yes, there's all these pictures and stuff. And then let's do the supernova for Prog 47. What's your uh, what's your top ship for Prog oh, 47? Oh, top is 
alien living spacecraft all the way to the butthole mouth to the weird like growth on its back or the the weird tentacles and pubic hair that it's got going on uh it's amazing <laughs> so uh bottom uh, uh, oh, oh go ahead oh no um uh bottom one in this case is the uh uh admiral's launch oh damn like a bear we're we agree on this one i also had the alien living spacecraft, which basically just looks like a big island with like yeah. a tree on top that's also a spaceship flying through the through the uh, through space. Yeah, it's really neat. And then Admiral's launch, man, that thing's like a like a ship for the for the boss. Like it's too gaudy. It's got a big uh, big uh, victory laurel on the side and stuff. Yeah, and a giant window for reasons. Yeah, get out of here. It's stupid. Just with your Admiral's launch. <laughs> Okay, so Prague 47, uh, Mock Aardvark is in Bonjo's stomach. He infiltrates the uh, stomach and through it, Bonjo's, the rest of Bonjo's body, um, eventually stealing Bonjo's tiny, like, beach ball-sized brain, I want to say. Yeah, it's something like that. And then he's confronted by the brain drain monster that, like, guards Bonjo's brain. I don't know. Uh, it's really bizarre. I... I don't understand Bonjo. Nah, Bonjo's no good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, for letters, there's some kid has a correction about the uh, description of Mach Woman's gun, which whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> one ki- uh, an- another kid's dog sleeps on issues of 2000 AD, and Aww. another and some no good kids from the planet Uranus demand copies of 2000 AD. Which really, I mean, like, you can't just make it out to Earth a little bit. No, man, they're stuck up Uranus, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> Gross! Exactly. So, oh, I just want to make a note. This should not have been the 10-pound note winner. The fucking Zron Robo-Warrior should have been the 10-pound note winner. So, okay, one. The 10-pound winner is this picture of a robot dog, which which is called Bloodhound. It's a real bad ro- robot dog. Its front legs don't <laughs> bend. Um... It's got a lot of, like, it's got a cutaway view and a lot of things, um, like, numbered and, like, or elucidated. Like, oh, this is the uh, the fuel cells, the motor with drives legs and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And it looks pretty, it's definitely kid-drawn, which I appreciate. Like, I, this isn't too. copied and stuff. <clears throat> the two-pound uh, drawing winner is a Zorn Robo-Warrior. Which is obviously traced. <laughs> Super duper. Ultra yeah. obviously traced. Oh, I don't care. I don't care if you're from far off New Zealand, Luke Nola. Your <laughs> Zorn Robo Warrior picture is traced. It's a fraud, and I'm not afraid to say so. <laughs> well, so 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 put that in your in your 38 years ago pipe and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> this man, this child is like 50. He's this guy is definitely like fifty, <laughs> and he and he and he knows his shame. All right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, sort of topical. What do you know about the police, Conrad? Um. <laughs> I know you can't join the police service as a detective. You gotta work your way up from the street. <laughs> did, did police used to carry rattles? You bet they did until uh, whistles were instituted. <laughs> In uh, does it say what year it is? Right, dude. I don't know. I like. I literally don't care. It's such a dumb thing. Later, they used whistles. So, 
in the uh, in the letters column for a couple of these issues of 2000 AD, there's this uh, series of quizzes with pictures on them and stuff that are um, they're basically asking you police trivia, police based trivia questions, British police based trivia questions. Weird. And you're and like it's supposed to be stuff to let you know. It's supposed to just like raise awareness so that you'll join Britain's police force. Really? That's what yeah. it was for. Yeah, it says this is the tenth in a series depicting the background and present-day work and development of Britain's police force. For further information about the police, write to Police Quiz, Home Office, London, England. You know. Oh my God! It's like a public service announcement by the cops. You know more about the cops. <laughs> hey, listen. We know you're like 13, but you might want to think about a life of stemming the tidal wave of crime felt hey, here in London. That's when I get you. You know. Okay, so, what are your, Supernova, I demand to know. Oh, my, okay. What are your top and bottom ships for Supernova and Prog 48? So, top one, um, it it was a really hard thing. I really liked the black hole probe, just FYI. Mm -hmm. But I went with the planetary landing craft because it feels like fucking G.I. Joe. uh, It looks super G.I. Joe. Yeah. Just because it's. It's one of those vehicles that's got other vehicles inside of it, which I would <laughs> think is, is, is peak G.I. Joe. Yeah, and it's just like this big craft that can just like land and do some shit. Uh, my least favorite, uh, you know, Shuttle Mark III. It's just a fucking space shuttle from now. Yeah, with a turret on top. That was also my bottom ship. That thing was dumb. My, <laughs> What's your my, top? My top is the, uh, is the Q ship, destroyed yeah. the sky's yeah. asteroid. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a spaceship that's built into an asteroid that takes people out. A big fan of Q ships. Uh, read a lot of Honor Harrington books, and she was the captain of a Q ship for a while. Like the concept, big in it. Nice. Uh, right. So let's go to Prog. Last one, Prog forty nine. In Prog forty nine, Bonjo or uh, the mock Ardvark uh, throws Bonjo's tiny brain out of his body, and Bonjo eventually gets dumb and dies. So long, Bonjo. Hooray! Yeah. Everyone is free of this strange tyranny. One more Bonjo uh, thrill next ne- next or uh, issue next 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 episode of the of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so in letters, a kid draws a pretty sweet space tank, and another one draws some pretty cool robots. Yeah. Um, there's some letters. One of them has another kind of false Tharg claim, like "Oh, I'm another robot from another thing," whatever. Um, <laughs> Another one suggests a robot that sits in the trunk in your trunk waiting to fix your car. Oh, the yeah, the robo fix it. I liked that. Yeah, that was decent. And then a third one tells about their tells a story about their time on an alien prison planet. Apparently, they had very poor skateboarding facilities. <laughs> also, oh, also Everything. in this also in this prog, there were a bunch of single panel uh, alien based comic comic strips. Mm-hmm. With quite a lot of puns. Um, you know, alien flying around in a, in, a, uh, in a mug saying, how did Earthlets get the stupid idea we travel in flying saucers? Ooh. Yeah, it, it was just like, oh, I made these comic strips for jokes. Yeah, luckily they were all submitted by more no-good kids, so whatever. Yep. <laughs> and then finally, Fox, what were your... Uh, top ships in this month's in Prog 40, 48 or Prog 49 Supernova. Yeah, cards. of course. So uh, 
I mean, clearly the Supernova is a pretty cool freaking ship, but I loved the weather control station. I like, like, it's got, like, fucking guns on it or something, shooting down at a planet, making swirls. It's awesome. Yeah, the weather control station looks like a big space octopus, like, firing down at a planet. Hell yeah. And uh, my bottom is definitely the ground attack craft for looking exactly like a freaking Jawa land crawler. <sighs> it's not even, like, subtle. Like, no. That was my bottom, too. Yeah, man. Like, you guys, just because Star Wars is out doesn't mean you can just rip off it, rip it off completely. Like, don't <laughs> be jerks, you know? Come on, guys. Yeah. My top one was the Hunter Killer Missile. That thing is adorable. Because it's got, like, a it's a, it's a missile that's, like, red and yellow, and it's got a funny face on it. And it's yeah. hungry for your bones. Yeah. It wants to come and get you. It's got, like this, it's got, like, the second highest attack factor of all the ships, I'll have you know. Yep. And uh, <laughs> zero crewmen, as it is yeah. a missile. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have a dude on a, you know, obviously. <laughs> I don't have to explain this to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, all over the place. Uh, this section's usually pretty weird, but I, I do really like the cards. Um, you know, not much of a, like, a judgment against the, uh, against the thing this month, I guess. Yeah, we've never had it. We we never got around to playing the the uh, flesh card game, but I like oh, the yep. idea of all these dumb, uh, ridiculous card games in <laughs> this thing. Yeah, like I, we really should play that. I feel like all these all these card games. I'll, I'll spoil you a little bit, Fox. Mm-hmm. All these card games for me are leading up to the point where we have a full on D and D campaign written into uh, 2000 AD. Oh, around like oh, oh. I forget where it's it, it has to do this character slain that's about um he's this sort of Celtic war uh, warrior guy, mm-hmm. but it's full on like single player like choose your own adventure D and D campaign kind of thing. God, that sounds so amazing. It's gonna so what, be ri- it's gonna be ridiculous. So what you're really saying is that everything's dreadful until then. <laughs> <laughs> Shed a tear, you know? <laughs> little boy's all grown up. Grows up and they grows up and they grows up. Thrill five, Judge Dread. <laughs> Alright, Judge Dread time. It's time for this showdown with Mr. Mooney, the oh evil ruler of the moon, or evil crime boss slash business leader of the moon. So uh, Walter and Dread go to the Mooney estate. They negotiate a bunch of traps, and they finally meet Mr. Mooney. Apparently, Mr. Mooney got rich by finding life on the moon. But that big grand prize, right? Yeah, it was like a, a million space bucks or something like that. <laughs> but that's how he got his. Uh, that's how he got his fortune. The problem is that the life he found was a virus that left him with uh, Mooney syndrome. <laughs> something. Yeah, I mean. His head swelled to super massive size, and it's super gross looking. He wears like a kind of a Ku Klux Klan outfit. Yep. Also, I'll mention technically. I remember learning in my uh, high school biology class that viruses are not technically alive or living beings. There's some other thing. So yeah, whatever. there you go. <laughs> Anyhow, they're just gross cells. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Dread and Walter. So Mooney traps Dread and Walter inside sort of a glass dome kind of thing. Mm. A glass sleeve that comes down from the ceiling and traps them, um, <laughs> and, and traps them in his uh, in his you know 
evil lair kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely a 1960s I, I did an evil. Yeah. Um, Walter frees them by opera singing really loud, so loud that he both breaks the glass thing and his own view screen. Which, you know, I mean, he seems fine. Yeah. Uh, Moody tries to run, Dredd shoots him in the back, justice is served. <laughs> yep, dead moon man. Yeah. So, next up, we see um, the moon version of the movie Far and Away, <laughs> where a bunch of guys in various vehicles, like, drive around claiming different plots and stuff. Yeah. One of the plots is claimed by this old lady, Widow Spock. Which? And Walt, who is, and her robot uh, maid asks Walter for help, because she's getting threatened by toughs. Mm. Oh god, yeah, that's right. To, uh, to force her to sign to, to sign away the plot and stuff. Uh, Dredd can't act on the maid's tips because robots can't report crime, apparently. Which is weird. Yeah. It seems like that's something you would definitely want to have happen since they can't really lie to you. Yeah, but, you know, keep in mind also that Dredd's pretty robot racist. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. But so, the uh, Widow Spock gets tossed into a uh, signing machine, but her will is so great that she rejects the signing machine still. Mm. Oh, they- actually, yeah. Why would you allow a company to make something like this? A force someone to, sh- to sign machine? Yeah. Maybe it's a side, you know, it's a side chair. Maybe it's used mostly for other things. Like, it's used to, like, make you not be depressed and it just says happy constantly instead of, like, well, sign or yeah. something like that, you know? Fair enough. <laughs> but anyhow, as they try to up the juice, Dredd shoots this dude in the hands and it's pretty cool. And then his his two, <laughs> um, his two Mexican ju- uh, uh, deputies. Yep. Billy Club and people. With billy clubs and big and big and sombreros, uh, oh, God, them, yeah, that's uh, arrest them and take them away. They are definitely like it's a comically sized sombrero. Yeah. Um, By the way, the faces in this are immaculate. The face the dude is making when he's getting shot in the hands does not look happy. Yeah. So two things we learned at the end of this um, of this thrill episode is one: Walter and Rowena, or Rowena, the robot maid are dating, and two, Dredd can tell if robots are made by humans, or, or, or if cookies are made by robots or humans. <laughs> <laughs> we see him biting into a cookie, and then thinking to himself, these cookies were made by a robot. Disgusting. <laughs> Anyhow. It's very strange. Yeah. So next prog, uh, Dredd underestimates some no-good space banditos, and he gets shot and stranded in the oxygen wastes of the lunar frontier. It'd help if he wasn't wearing a plastic bag over his face. It's true. His space gear seems woefully un, um, unreliable. Yeah. But so, while that prog ends with Dread being stranded in space, he then shoots a lever on his hover bike and is able to return to safety, but because he let some no-good space banditos get the drop on him, he quits being a judge. And, and for the next, first time, we see Tex not being a total coward. Yeah, his uh, his former deputy, uh, Tex, uh, starts hunting the bandits afterwards and try to, con- to convince Dredd to go back to the force. Dredd is working as a janitor, but gets fired for not being a good janitor. Which is yeah, I love his backpack, which is just a, a sucking machine. Which then comes in handy when the 
space bandito attacks him and he grinds up the gun using the the hose from his uh, space janitor job. Oh snap! It was all a ruse. Whoa! What a twist. Also, yeah. man, great stubble. Oh yeah. So with his uh, <laughs> with his janitor five o'clock shadow. Yeah, man. Rough and tumble Joe Dredd manages to take down <laughs> this space bandito. Returns to being a judge and swears that he will remain a judge until the day he dies. Oh snap! Yeah, and that's it for Judge Dredd. Next prog is the beginning of the Lunar Olympics, which are going to be so good, dude. Oh, I'm excited. I'm really excited, man! What a what a great set of uh, little dreads this week. There's some this real month. good, yeah. There's some real good space uh, space marshal stuff this month for sure. Mm. Um, just him, yeah. Like the the uh, the like the, the derby thing for the far and away part is really neat. Just because there's all these like everybody's got these different vehicles sort of at the yeah. starting line of this thing. There's like dune buggies and hover surfboards and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I like the dude with the giant wheel and pad, and he's just, like, in the middle portion of the wheel, just, like, chilling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, dude on the far left made entirely yeah. of gold. God, he's perfect. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, something you'd see out of, like, Twisted Metal, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I really liked it a lot. Uh, really getting tired of Walter still. Really wish that wasn't a thing. Uh, sorry, buddy. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Thrill six invasion. Oh man, we're getting uh, towards the to the pen to the ultimate conclusion of invasion, Fox. It's, I don't wanna. It's just it's a sad day for sure. So it begins. The evil Rosa Volgaska has a plan to take down Savage and the rest of the Resistance guys. Also has really pretty pictures of each of them on her desk. They're all in fr- they're all in different frames. Like the Savage one has like like curly cues and stuff around it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's adorable. But uh, so Rosa has a plan. The other Volgon captains are like, well, we don't like Rosa, so let's try to beat her and not use her plan instead. All right, <laughs> just make her look bad. But they're gonna but nope. fail. Yeah, it, all the plan, all the attempts to take them down fail because of Savage's superior knowledge of stuff like <laughs> i guess there's like a crossing in um somewhere in england that like has a has a daily uh tidal wave just like terrifying looking yeah which just comp- like takes down one set of uh of pursuers after this some sweet car chase action where like sounds jackknifes some guys off the road on his big rig and stuff definitely good it's nice to see that Savage's lorry driving abilities aren't actually overestimated. You know, he's actually a pretty good truck driver. Yeah, knows where the hell to go. Also, apparently, you know, causes... Ex- well, I guess he didn't cause... No, that was Rosa. Rosa. See, all these captains were also given, like, recording and, like, camera devices by Rosa. And she is apparently, if someone looks like they're going to get the drop on Savage and, and team, she, she'll blow them up to stop them. Which, you know, might be a little bit of an overreaction. But I think it's a good a good example of my favorite thing, which is establishing someone as evil because by their willingness to kill their own dudes. Yeah, I agree with that. I appreciate when a bad guy kills their own dudes. <laughs> so okay, so that's, so that's okay. some really weird shit happens. So, well, they they all the team drives into Liverpool from the from the port at Liverpool. They're going to make their way 
off of England and back to uh, to Canada, where the prince will be safely in exile. All right. Mm. That's where Rose is going to plan her attack to. Uh, the crew arrives in Liverpool and beats some resistance members, and it's definitely the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred percent. It's a. I mean, it's a. It's kind of a funny thing because it's sort of imagining what the 1978 Beatles would look like in 1999. You know. Yeah. So it's these sort of um, Abbey Abbey Road era um, Beatle guys, but sort of way old and stuff. And, and alive. Fo- yeah, and Fox. This is a critical departure of the Judge Dredd timeline from our own timeline, all right? Yeah, they live in a different universe than us, sadly. Yeah, because in Judge Dredd's history, um, the two towers aren't destroyed until some dude with a molecular disintegration ray destroys them to prove a point, sort of casually in one episode. Oh. (laughs) And John Lennon survives until at least the year 1999. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's optimistic in a lot of ways. Because he's one of the one of the Beatles members that the team. So, yeah, interestingly, only Paul George and uh, Paul George and John. Yeah, Ringo's not making it out <laughs> to the resistance meeting. I don't know if that means he's dead or if he's a collaborator or what. <laughs> uh, I consider collaborator. I'll show you his art sometime, and you'll understand. Oh my! So yeah, burn Ringo Starr. Bring it. <laughs> so. uh... The team goes down to like some bar, some neutral, some bars frequented by, by people from neutral countries to try to get a, a ride for the prince back to Canada. They get attacked by Volgans. Savage uh, Silk plays the song uh, "Happiness Is a War Gun" on his <laughs> on, on an acoustic guitar, and then they shoot and they shoot up a bunch of the Volgans with a hidden gun in the guitar. It's it was it's amazing, yeah. <laughs> And um, there's just a whole bunch of beating until finally their bacon is, they're sort of in trouble, but they get saved by this American guy named Georgia, who is also on a ship and offers to give them a ride to Canada. And it's like, oh, thanks, Georgia. All right. But then it turns out Georgia is actually Sergeant Georgie of the Volgans. And and is betraying them as we speak. Total jerk. Yeah. So... Everybody makes their way to the, what they think is Georgia's neutral ship. Mm-hmm. They have to. They get stopped by a Volgan patrol boat and have to fight their way there. Oh, Even, also that patrol boat had so many guns. The uh, the patrol boat has a forward facing missile launcher with what one two three four five six seven fourteen missile tubes. <laughs> <laughs> not overkill in the slightest. <laughs> but it's not good enough because with just shotguns and pistols. Um, Savage, Silk, Nessie, Georgia, and the Prince are able to beat the hell out of the entire ship, kill everybody on board. Yeah, I mean, they just... There's a guy who gets his back broken by Georgia. It's pretty awesome. Like, bow of the ship. Yeah, but in the melee, unfortunately, Nessie gets shot in the arm. So she returns to the mainland to get medical attention. Mm -hmm. While Georgia, Savage, Silk, and the Prince continue on board the ship. But when Nessie returns to the cavern, which is, you know, famous Beatles venue and Resistance headquarters, <laughs> she finds that everyone there has been killed, or at least um, arrested. And Rose and Rose is there, and she blackjacks Nessie upside the head. It's such crap. Yeah, Nessie's she's, awesome. She's taken, and things look bad for her. Yeah. Meanwhile, sort of, uh, Georgie 
shows the uh, shows the crew to their cabin, and then it's like, oh, I'll get that savage. I'll bend you like I'm bending this steel rod because I'm super strong. Yeah, he's pretty mock mock ready. <laughs> so finally, oh, Savage Silk and the this one. It's terrible, man. Savage Silk and the Prince are aboard George's ship, and the boy <clears> starts seeing evidence of a traitor aboard. There's like shadowy figures throwing uh, engine parts at Savage, which ends up breaking Savage's shotgun. Yeah. And later that night, Silk investigates a light hung on the mast of the ship, and it's a trap. Georgia kills a crewman named Carter and Silk. Silk is dead. It's and they terrible. They have to ditch his corpse almost immediately. Yeah, they can't keep a corpse on the ship, so they just toss the body over the side over the side of the ship. It's terrible. Oh, it's, oh Andy breaks his shotgun. Well, his shotgun had been destroyed by yeah. the engine thing, but he sort of smashes it against the side of the ship, and sort of christening, or, or in honor of Silk's death, that um, he's lost his two best friends in this one night, trying to get the, sh- the prince to safety. Yeah. God, it's sad, man. Fast. Yeah, it was a, an amazing couple of uh, um, couple of weeks. Yeah, there was... Oh, go for it. We're, we're almost at the end of Invasion, and so... They're raising the stakes. They're ratcheting up these stakes like crazy, you know? Yeah. Like, suddenly, characters are dying. Suddenly, Savage isn't just effortlessly winning and stuff. It's like, you know, Volgaska's really closing the trap on these guys. And it, I don't know, it just feels so much more serious right now. Like, you know, I it was just a few issues ago that we were romping through the, the highlands, like, murdering people with hatchets. Uh, yeah. Now, now things are getting like really serious. Um, still, you know, fairly, fairly good pace. Even though they have longer amounts of, or they, they're getting more length out of these, which I think is why they've moved them towards the center of the comic book for now. Yeah, um, is just to give them those extra pages to really explore the story as it's getting more and more serious. Yeah, they're definitely really building up to this next move with um, an invasion. It's really it's really neat and it's really tense. Like you kind of you see all the elements of this trap scene and, and you know Savage doesn't and so you really are just waiting for like when they're gonna drop the boom on him, when the actual trap is gonna be is gonna be be sprung and stuff like that. Mm. And it's really nervous, man. I don't know. I'm I'm not looking forward to the end of invasion, but it is getting quite good. I mean, you know, it's been a stalwart. It's the last um it's the last story from that's you know it's run in every issue from the first one. It's the only one that's done that. Yeah, yeah. Especially with, with Mach One ending this month and stuff like that. Oh you know? yeah, God, we lost all of the all it's the, the OGs last, soon. Yeah, it's the last of the premiere comics. Wow. But you know, premiere comics come back sometimes too, as we see in Thrill Seven Inferno. Ah uh, yeah, boy. This was awesome. There's crazy stuff going on in Inferno this month. So we last left our guys in a uh, holographic asteroid simulator mm-hmm. with someone pressing the uh, now it's really dead, now it's real and deadly button that it's are in all a- button to have. It's not honestly because I think, like I said, it, it's on all holodecks and holodeck pr- projections and everything. You know, I yeah, exactly. Why? <laughs> like Star Trek TNG. Uh, X-Men, X-Men's Danger Room, 
All these right. places are things that have holograms and have a button that can be pressed that makes you able to, be, to die really easily in them. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But, all right, whatever. I mean, yeah. someone's got to make it, and I guess they want to kill people. Yeah, so, you know, so this whole Inferno team is in this big space thing. Everybody's able to sort of avoid dying by using various Inferno-based sports skills. Yeah, they're honing their teamsmanship and, and ability. Yeah, whether it's um, jumping around real fast or, like, Moody Blue, the goalie, like, doing goalie stuff, things like that. Saving people from getting crushed in the face. Yeah, so our buddies survive, but things are bad because the casino owner sends a bunch of murder bots after him. And each one has something that you can do to learn a Inferno. <laughs> yeah, indeed, that's the next one where now instead of uh, using their Inferno skills to... Instead of using Inferno skills to survive asteroids, they're now using Inferno <laughs> skills to beat these robots. And then set a guy on fire accidentally? Well, the whole place starts burning down, and this ends up killing the uh, owner of the casino, guys. He's got my line of the month, which is, Oh, no, 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 everything's blowing up! Help, <laughs> don't let me burn! Which is got a really good face. Everything's blowing up is the greatest line for things going wrong that I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this casino slash giant holodeck maze, it's all on fire. Yeah. Well, you know, it's got casinos and it's got hollow suites. It's like quarks on Deep Space Nine, you know? Yeah, but exactly. It definitely burns to the ground. <laughs> and the Hellcats manage to, to escape and not be uh, linked to its destruction, except <laughs> for by the evil Mr. Chubb and Mr. Torso, the big bad guys. It's really weird names. Who now know they have to take these uh, heroes even more seriously. Yeah. And so they do. You know, next <laughs> issue. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. They, by sending a ladybot. Exactly, yeah. So the heroes are, pre are preparing for their next match. Uh, it's their first home game, and they've gotten some cheerleaders who wear uh, cat suits. And of course, Slim being the youngest member, also interviewing all of the lady cadets that could potentially be Hell Kittens. Oh, yeah. So one of them's Pearly, which is the one he's sweet on. Yep. And when the uh, Inferno match begins, uh, you know, they all, the Hellcats all cheer, and they have uh, letters that spell out Hellcats. <laughs> and Pearly has the H. Yep. And apparently there's, like, some sort of energy beam built into the H. <laughs> it uh, shoots Giant in the head, and Giant goes crashing down onto the uh, burning floor of the Inferno pit. Yep. Uh, and despite all of this shenanigans happening, they still managed to get a cave-in. Well, yeah, because they're, you know, they don't let th little things distract them. You know, that's the key. So like, almost getting murdered. Exactly. <laughs> because, hey, don't worry about it. The caveman got you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, next issue, uh, giant falls from the sky, but the caveman, Moody Blue, catches him just in time. Just and awesome. they sort of take him off the sidelines to... Be, uh, to have the medic look at him. Meanwhile, Mr. Chubb sends Pearly, the evil Lady Deathbot, to continue to uh, try to kill Giant. I'm surprised they haven't learned from the like the guy who originally tried to like do this stuff. It's really hard to kill them when they're playing sports. Mm -mm. So after the Giant score a second uh, cave-in, <laughs> Lewis, you know, now our brain and android member of the uh, of the Hellcat, starts hearing it, 
some sort of mechanical ping in his head. Mm-hmm. And he's in a super ripped body, by the way. He's a very handsome brain. Of course. <laughs> but he uh, he goes to investigate, and as he does, he rides over just in time to see Pearl about to blast Giant with the H from Point Blank Rage once more. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess if you didn't succeed at range before, might as well just, like, rub him with it. This episode of Inferno is brought to you by the letter H for <laughs> Homicide. <laughs> And that's like the big cliffhanger is this lady in a cat suit standing over Giant's unconscious body with this huge H. Just, like, I'm gonna get ya. And then Lewis driving over being like, no, stop, don't shoot him with that H. You know? It's pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little weird being <laughs> rescued by a brain in a jar riding a motorcycle while a woman in a cat suit is about to shoot your friend with a giant letter H. Honestly, it's a series of events, I gotta say. It's not, it's a series of words that aren't usually put together in that order, for sure. And uh, and this is why I'm pretty proud of this comic. <laughs> can say All right. Like that. Yeah, so that's it for the progs this month, Fox. Or for the uh, thrills this month, Fox. What would you say are your top thrills and your bottom thrills? So, um, it. I mean, there's a lot in here that's good. So... Uh, I am going to go out on a limb right now and just tell you it's Invasion because I may not give it to it when it ends just out of sheer anger. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, damn. Like, when I was reading it, like, every single prog, I was more and more sad. But, like, uh, everything up until this point, it felt like, um, you know, everything was going great and it's this huge setup for, like, a bunch of fun romps. And silly explosions and stuff. I mean, we've laughed about that comic for forever. Yeah, man. In dime turn like this and still stick the landing and stick you in the feels. Not not stumbling, you know, not just rushing through the thing like they used to do when they're closing off something. It feels really Mm -hmm. cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Invasion is my top thrill as well. Um, They're really going strong for this last, for these sort of penultimate stories. The thing mm. with the Beatles is really funny, just in terms of oh, like, you know, we're trying to do some future stuff and here's some sort of in-joke things. Mm-hmm. I like just the idea of, of, of Bogaska kind of just effortless, or not effortlessly, but just really outclassing Savage and stuff, which I think is something that, you know, he, no one has done before. And so yeah. it makes these issues feel like they have stakes in something, which, while I love Invasion, it can be a little stakes low just because... <laughs> They win all the time, you know? Yeah. So to have them win and have that also be part of Rose's plan is really neat, I think. Yeah, it it like it really helps you think that she's had this time to plan it out when she was put away. Yeah, um, and then yeah. and then Rosa being captured and then Silk dying is really like, oh, oh my god. God. That was so terrible. Oh, and, I really and hope they, Nessie's not dead. We'll see. Yeah. A lot it's of people be, dying right now. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I can promise you that. I can't. I, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway. So, so, what's your, so what's your bottom throw this month, Fox? I really I can't cheat and say Bonjo. I'm not. I, future shocks were actually decent. Um, it is very hard to say. You know what? In fact, I'm going to invoke a thing. You've invoked this once before. I feel like I've got an scapegoat on this one. <laughs> I am going to say uh, no bad thrills. 
I really All right. thing. That's awesome. I'm yeah, glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's no obvious bad ones for you. I mostly yeah. agree. I feel <laughs> like I don't really like, on reflection, I don't like that rule. I feel like oh. there's got to be room for rating. So I'm so go ahead for you. For me, I'm going to sort of pick a, uh, a, a least of the best kind of thing. And mm. for me, I'm going to say it's Inferno this month. Um, not because Inferno is really bad, but the art's really awesome and the story's really interesting. But yeah. there are just two, you know, two or three progs this month where you're about them in the casino thing and sort of investigating things and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's not what I'm really looking for with Inferno. Like, I really want... Uh, I really want Inferno to be played. I want to see this game played. I want the action to be on the field. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking this, and you know what? I, I might change mine, and we'll have some solidarity this month. Yeah. And it's just um, all the... And, like the pro, and you know, we, we've talked about this before with Inferno. They just We don't know what all the rules are yet. We're still mm-hmm. sort of seeing new elements of the game being described and stuff. And so, yeah. Like... There's definitely there's definitely so much more of the actual future sports stuff that taking that going off the pitch and investing you know doing some Scooby Doo stuff in other places yeah it feels kind of forced or like it's not what I'm looking what I'm coming to Inferno for I'm coming to Inferno for the Harlem Heroes to play a futuristic game that's weird and futuristic and um, crazy you know what I mean. Yeah, it feels to Gem and the Holograms or Josie and the Pussycats, you know? It's it's like it's about this subject, and you're kind of interested in that thing, and uh, tertiarily interested in the fact that there's, there's, you know, I don't know, fucking music or fighting going on, take your pick. But it definitely feels confused, where it's like, oh, let's go do this investigation shit, and you're like, you already know who the bad guys are. Yeah, like, I'm way more interested in what happened in sort of what happens in a game of Inferno, I feel like I'm still figuring out what that means that to take a couple issues to leave the field and do investigating like it's a Judge Dredd story or something like that, or Dan Day or something. It's sort of... It feels like they're they're going in a different direction than what the comic, than what this thrill is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I liked when they were discovering their problems on the field because they were... You know, they were battling their own inter-team problems, the team in front of them, and those problems that they present in a dangerous game, and on top of that, uh, a mystery, right? Yeah. But yeah, all I through mean, playing the game. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, like, so, you know, there's two, there's two thrill, two of the, of the, two of the, of the, of the, Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm 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 missing the word. Two of the episodes, no two of the episodes that, that we're seeing in in this month are not on the field at all. They're in this casino thing. Yeah. The other two are on the field, but like the actual Inferno gameplay is really taking a back seat to this stuff with this alien with this uh, robot cheerleader lady killing giant and stuff. Like it makes the game feel like an afterthought to this other plot stuff. Yeah. And like I don't know, maybe in the seventies there was just such a glut of like sports comics that um that you could just sort of skip it because it wasn't like a big thing. But for me, mm. um, a future sport like uh, I want a future sport comic to be really focused on the future sport, just because yeah. that's a, that's a genre that I'm really not familiar with and that I think is very interesting. I guess. Well, and this one has jetpacks, giant men, and motorcycles, right? Like you can't get really any more you know, factory cool than that. Don't fuck it up. 
And there's a bunch of stuff that sort of they've hinted at, but I don't feel like they've really explained where, like, the floor's on fire, mm. and the ball, like, keeps going at ultra speed, and so it's really hard to catch it and stuff. That yeah. I feel like have, that I feel like I've seen hinted at, but they haven't really taken time to really explain how it all works and stuff. Mm. And, you know, mostly I just wanted to be on the field. I wanted to fight wacky teams with weird themes. I yeah. Want, I want people to sort of, you know, to use their gruff and drive to sort of go through, like, a, uh, you know, a couple games of this um, Inferno game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, they, and I think a good caveat, uh, if we've got people listening this far, is, like, we don't, we don't hate this. Right, like it's not Inferno is not the worst comic book that no, has. No, I mean, I mean, we were. Pages. It's just it could be so much more because it was so much more, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely like it's definitely the le- like like I said for me, it's the least of the best. It's not like like yeah. the worst thing. It's just it's it's my you know it's the thrill that's on the bottom because um, I don't think it's 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 not quite doing what I want it to do. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or, or even I would argue, like what your expectations have been set up for, right? Like when I thought the Harlem Heroes were returning, which is what they promised, I was super stoked to get more sports because I felt like it rounded out the comic really well. Yeah, I mean that's it's such an under it's such a weird thing to have in kind of it, like sports stuff. Sports is such a weird thing to have in a comic book for me. Yeah, that I'm I'm really interested in when it does show up. You know. Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's done interesting yeah so yeah all right good thoughts cool. man damn yeah well like you know i'm trying to, trying to keep liven things up and sort of figure out what's good and what's bad you know what i mean yeah hell yeah yeah we've got taste now we've got yeah. taste we've been through like 15 episodes of this junk i mean we've read like 53 of these comics if you count like the specials and stuff like we can we can start being able to discern what's good and what isn't i don't know hell yeah man <laughs> i've got standards now yeah and you're all gonna pay <laughs> Anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on our fancy new Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're, we're at Space Spinner 2K. And for everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. That's Space Spinner with a two and three zeros. So, tune in next week, where, for the shortest month of the year, February also has the most thrills of any month yet. Dang. As uh, Dan Dan Dare slays the Star Slayers. We'll see more of the... We'll see even more of the Visible Man. We'll... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I got these puns. (laughs) We'll travel to Colony Earth, feel the heat of Inferno... Tell some great Walt of the Wobot stories. No. We'll experience the Luna Olympics, which is a truly excellent Judge Dredd story. Um, and sadly, with hearts full of sorrow, we'll reach the end of Invasion. Oh, also Mach 1 will return, so yay, I guess. Let's just hope it's less racist this time. Always, always the dream. <laughs> until, until next time, I'm Conrad from Spot, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spun Dog for a drink! You think they've figured out that we're robots yet? Nah, whatever. Let's go have, let's go have an oil bath.
<laughs> oh, hell yeah, man. 